Welcome to EU Code Week Podcasts. We bring coding, computational thinking, robotics, and innovation closer to you, your community, and your school. Hello, everyone, and welcome. We are your hosts, Eugenia Casariego and Arjana Vlasic. The EU Code Week team is here to help teachers bring coding and programming into the classroom by providing the latest training resources and materials, as well as insights on current and future implementations and best practices in order to transform education. Indeed, and this time we will talk about computational thinking and computational skills and their relevance to education field in Europe. To shed some light on the current progress of integrating computational thinking into the curricula and what needs to be done to improve, today's episode will be about the recent research study announced by the European Commission reviewing computational thinking in compulsory education state of play and practices from the field. Talking us through the report and its findings are today's guests, Katia Engelhardt and Augusto Chiocariello. Katia is a senior education analyst at European Schoolnet with a keen interest in making school education policies more inclusive and innovative, while Augusto is a researcher at the National Research Council of Italy interested in educational technology and STEM education. Hello to you both and welcome to the EU Code Week podcast. Yeah, thanks a lot uh, for inviting us. We are both very happy and excited to be here. It's our first podcast, so we are very happy to share the findings of our study with you today. Thank you very much for joining us today. Now, focusing on the topic at hand, can you tell our listeners briefly what the scope of the study was? The Commission is interested in uh, what is computational thinking, how the different countries are addressing computational thinking in their curricula. And, and so we were asked to investigate the subject and then find out actually what's going on, because this is quite new and uh, we wanted to know from the field. Knowing that this current 2022 computational Computational thinking in compulsory education study is actually a follow-up of an earlier 2016 report, which was also focused on the same topic. What are the main similarities and differences between the two studies? Back in 2016, when we did the first report, uh, computational thinking was still very new and a bit the hottest new thing, uh, hype to look at. So the conclusion of that first report was in a way that computation thinking is a promising concept. And now with our second edition of the study, which was published in February 2022, the conclusion really was that it's more than a promising trend now that it has arrived, at least in curricula across Europe. And of the 29 European countries that we analyzed, 25 already introduced basic computational thinking or computer science concepts in their curricula in one way or the other. And the other four countries either pilot activities or plan to do something. So you can really say, you know, it has arrived in the curricula. And uh, as a very general trend, you can also say that... It goes towards integrating computer science concepts also at more grades and more levels, so more comprehensively. And more countries are switching from offering computer science concepts only as only as optional subjects or, or optional activities to really also make it a compulsory, so more likely also to reach more students. 
Katya, can you clarify to the listeners then which of the countries were involved in the ATAS-1 or on the whole EU? It was uh, focused on 29. There are some countries that we specifically addressed and there were nine. We had a good overlap. The interesting thing was we had many more countries replying to this survey than to the previous one. That's good. <laughs> in only five years, there have been so many substantial changes in teaching computational thinking and computer science in schools all over Europe. What is the current situation and what are some of the challenges for computer science education in Europe? We really had the chance to see many countries having the, the policy in place. So they decide to do it and you have a curriculum as a framework reference. What actually is still a big issue is how you implemented the decision. And in that way, the differences in the uh, national context is huge. The big issues in all countries is that this thing is quite new and you cannot hire teachers. So you have to do with the teacher you have. And this one is one major issue. But then you have specific things. You know, some countries have decided to do it having their own uh, particular uh, subjects. Others they do within other subjects. So many do within maths, for example. And so you have a math teacher now has to do another complete new section. Coming back a bit more towards the meta level of today's podcast, so very briefly, can you tell us more about the study methodology? So mostly which were the main inquiries you set to, to answer and the key terms used in the report? So when we designed the study, we try to use a number of different means. So we try to triangulate this uh, idea of uh, how computational thinking is addressed into school with different means. We did a literature review just to make sure that uh, we had a good understanding of what was the, the definition around and what, what the literature was telling us about a number of issues. One big major effort was a survey. So we came up with an update of our previous questionnaire that we sent to the Ministry of Education just to understand, you know, broadly how this uh, subject was going on. Then we uh, decided to do an in-depth case study, but we could not afford to do with many, and we did with nine. And the idea was to address um, different issues, uh, school level, primary level, uh, lower secondary, but also the differences in the way is addressed, you know, as a separate subject or within other subject. Uh, in many cases, is math. And if you want to be very specific on the primary level, we did in Norway, Lithuania, and Slovakia. Then we did another two sets of three countries. One where things are done, you know, within a subject specific, and there was England, then Poland, and Croatia. And then the final one was about, you know, when it's dealt with in mathematics and, uh, and technology. And then we looked at France, Finland, and uh, Sweden. We also held expert workshop. In the first one was, you know, people experience in the field from Europe and outside. And the second one was sort of validation workshop. We had, a, you know, a preview of our findings and we see what the reaction were before we, we wrote the final report. I find especially interesting, and I guess so for our listeners, and the comparison between the case studies. For each of these case studies, what were the main similarities and differences that you found in how computational thinking is addressed for each case study? What are the key findings? So I looked specifically uh, into uh, Croatia, England and Poland myself, and uh, we carried interviews out there with policymakers, experts, school heads, teachers and students. 
And there specifically, so that's lower secondary education, we started with the assumption that there might be a difference between Poland and Croatia already having a long tradition of computer science compared to England, where that's really not the case. We did not really find such conclusive evidence for quite practical reasons in a way, because the subject is already there. Integrating a new subject in any curriculum is very different. Initial teacher training is already in place and some teachers trained in the subject are already there. So that's already quite a lot. But still also the curriculum changes in both countries, Poland and Croatia, were quite extensive. So really uh, integrating a lot of new grades, making it compulsory, making quite a lot of change also in the curriculum. So nonetheless, it was also a big challenge in both countries and teacher training was required. And we looked specifically in this case study at how computational thinking is integrated as a separate subject. And I guess the most interesting thing we found there that it normally this computer science subject does not only cover computer science concepts and computational thinking activities, but in all cases also more general user digital skills, how to be safe online and all these things. And so it becomes relevant how to link those two areas of general skills because we all agree all those digital skills you need, but it also becomes a challenge then in practical terms how much time is actually in reality dedicated to, uh, to computational thinking activities. In a way, we were interested in to see how this integration within, within another subject will really work. And we actually find out there was more than one subject. Initially, we, we had initial assumption because we did try to compare the case study, also triangulate within the, the different countries. And we had the impression on paper at the beginning that maybe Sweden was going to be a little bit different because of their tradition of, uh, of digital competence and because they, in the curricula, they also include uh, civic studies. So we said, wonderful, there is not just... STEM, there is just some humanistic discipline involved. We also had, you know, some sort of a inside question. If you do it within mathematics, do you want to improve the learning of mathematics crossing with the uh, computational tools? Well, the nice things about, you know, doing an experimental study is that you don't find what you're looking for. But at the end, if you look at the curriculum, it's similar. Uh, mathematics in those three countries takes the big burden of introducing basic computer science concepts. In addition to the mathematics curriculum, in the technology, you do more the practical part. So you do the robotic part, uh, you construct some things. And the main differences that we found was how teacher training is handled, because in some cases it is compulsory. So teachers have to do their professional development, but then you need to find substitute teachers. Or like in France, it's not compulsory. So you have to find other ways to address these things. Because mathematics is such a nice tech subject, is always in the final exam. So in France, uh, one of the questions of the final exam for mathematics has to do with uh, computer science and in some programming. Finland is an exception. They don't have the final exam, but they have very specific instructions for how to assess what the students have uh, learned in programming. But in all those countries, the interesting finding is that uh, they had a very concise curriculum. And the curriculum, there is very little set because then you have teacher autonomy and all those nice things. But over the year, in order to support this implementation, the government start to produce more and more guidelines, prescription, supporting materials, so that things become a little bit more explicit 
And this is a trend. Did you also find a lot of differences in how national governments and ministries, more in particular, provided that teacher training? Would you say that most countries are now up to date with providing teacher training in computational thinking or just more general in ICT skills? They all do it. The problem is what are the policies at the national level? The differences are, and I think, for example, in England, they started saying, you know, this is an easy thing. We are going to invest two million pounds and everything is going to work fine. And they end up investing 80 million pounds because training lots of teachers, when you make compulsory, it's just not just one few teachers, it's a lot of them. And uh, it becomes a big issue. And uh, I mean, for example, when we interviewed the French Ministry of Education, they consciously said, we are not going to address primary first, because if you address primary, it's, it will cost us lots of money. We will start with lower secondary because we assume that the math teachers are close enough. So yes, we need to put an effort, but maybe it's not such a big effort. So we can start and it's going to be a long process and it's not going to be easy and it's going to it's going to be expensive, I think, you know, but they realize it's a long process. Yeah, I also wanted to add, I guess in general, there are more similarities than differences between the countries. So teacher training is really the main challenge in all countries still. And if you think about it, it is a crazy thing in a way yeah, to integrate something that is entirely new to the curriculum that teachers have not been trained for that is difficult and complicated. And to start that curriculum before you actually trained or your teachers to do it, but it's very difficult also to do differently because it's difficult to get funding for teacher training for a subject or content that isn't exist. But I think we have to acknowledge that we really put teachers in Europe in front of a challenge there. And what you can see, uh, I mean, England is an example, but also other countries that there is more teacher training available, that there's a lot of different offers online, offline training materials that you can use yourself. There's really different formats. So that's good. So in a way, the gap has been closed to some extent, which uh, especially in the beginning was also a lot of grassroots movements that stepped in and provided that sort of support to teachers. And now I think the really interesting question is, are those offers that may be sometimes also pragmatic really what we need? Do they give teachers all the skills they need? And in the end, how do we know that what we teach the teachers to then teach in the classroom is actually what we want to reach with our curriculum? You know, we need money. We need a lot of stakeholders also to work together. Code Week is one example, helping teachers, but there's a need for more support for the teacher. And you can't expect the teachers to do this big challenge on their own, basically. Thank you. I think those are very valid questions, but indeed a very, a very good way to put it, that we cannot really expect teachers to do it on our own. But as always, when we provide teacher training, especially in a new field, it's, it's a huge adjustment and it takes even, can I say, even years in plural, just getting to the right points and, and adjusting and up updating it also continuously. So, so that's indeed very true and very valid questions. Now, stepping a bit out of teacher training and more into practice, which is what Augusto was also talking a bit right now, how actually countries go about teaching computational thinking and computational skills. You mentioned that there's more similarities in a way that differences, and now you provided a few examples of how teachers go about it. So what are some common concepts or strategies used across the curriculum to teach these skills? For me, the main starting point is always why do countries integrate computational thinking? And there you see a lot of commonalities. So in general, they uh, all countries do it for the same reasons, because they want to foster these logical thinking skills, problem solving skills. So there is an assumption that students need these kind of skills for their future lives. 
both professionally and personally. And then what emphasis they will put between those goals depends a bit. Some countries will also have a bit more specific goals, like, for example, attracting students to mathematics studies. So it's generally uh, the same reasons, but then there will be uh, specifics in the countries. And that's, I would also say, always the starting question. Why do I do this? Where do I want to go? And from there, countries should start designing their curricula. And maybe just a few words, because yeah, I hope teachers are listening to us. We do not have conclusive evidence on how teachers do it in the classroom precisely, but we talk to example schools because often the curricula are quite open, which is in a way also nice. So there's a lot of autonomy for teachers to decide what they want to do. And a lot of times what seems to lend itself to teaching computation thinking very well is like these what we call active pedagogical approaches or really collaborative personalized learning, project-based learning. Basically everything that helps the student to learn autonomously, to work on their own project, on their own tasks, to think for themselves, to try to find their own mistakes and in for both the teacher and the student to have this kind of attitude to try something new and to fail and try again, which is in itself already a challenge to bring that sort of mindset also in the classroom. There seems to be an agreement also on the pedagogical side to be active, to be hands-on. So programming is a sort of a laboratory, which also provides you with a number of interesting issues because in order to have a laboratory, you have to have equipment. And also the assessment, one part seems to be in common and uh, there is this idea that the teacher should do formative assessment. You don't have to wait at the end. You need to continuously be in touch with what students are doing because both you have to learn if what you are doing is working and you need to get the students on board and being uh, you know, confident of what they are learning. You have to provide them with some sort of uh, autonomy in assessing their own efforts as well. Looking a bit more at the future um, and what trends can be foreseen in the future across national curriculums when it comes to implementing or integrating computational thinking uh, in compulsory education? Really looking at the future, it would be interesting to start with the students that are now starting to be new teachers. But we also need to address some issues that we have at the moment. One has to do how much room is going to be for this new subject. The problem is in school, you cannot just simply add. The time is always there. You have five hours and you, you, you can say you can do another three other subjects. The hours are always five. So what needs to be done and what needs not to be done, it's a complex issue. And that's practically the, the need to reach an agreement. It will be nice if the ministry provides guidelines. One important part is the pedagogy. It's not just thinking about the teachers know, know something and if you need to let, let them know a little bit more about computer science. The real problem is what are the pedagogical problems? How you are going to teach those things? Computer science is a new subject. And so I think there probably there should be an effort in doing a research on specifically on that subject. And in the future, I think, you know, probably going to be a little bit more clear guidelines and tools on how to assess. So adding to what Augusto said, what we need to look at next, and that is also something that is going to happen more and more in countries, is to look a bit into what is actually happening in the schools. So not only in the few best advanced schools, for example, that we talked to during our study, but what is happening in all 
schools in Europe. And we expect to find a lot of differences there because all schools need the equipment, all schools need the teachers that are capable of teaching. And the strong assumption is that, that at this very moment is not the case yet. But it's both for research to look more into that, but also countries themselves will now, since the curricula have been there for a few years, start monitoring and evaluating them. And also just to highlight, there are still a lot of open questions in research, in policy making. So we still do not know exactly if what is taught now in curricula really fosters these key competences, if the way curricula are set up now really prepares students for the future. And I personally think that only if we come to the conclusion that yes, and only if we know how to prepare teachers to teach that, only then uh, we will have computation thinking and computer science with us for a very long time. And I also think it's, you know, it's something we should discuss with everyone. So I would also invite all teachers for themselves to think critically, why do I think my students need to learn computation thinking to really, you know, keep discussing these kind of questions to improve uh, computer science education at the end of the day. Need to believe in what is taught and to believe in the end goal of what is taught. Um, and I think that's a very good approach because, of course, for the other subjects, then it's been so for, for many, many years. Um, but however, with computational thinking, we have now a chance to implement it in a way that makes sense, in a way that is critical as well. That makes sense with the future of our students. I, so I think that's a, that's a very good approach. I have a more concrete question for you. What are the key implementations and best practices that can be drawn from this study? What are the main findings here? If you want to sort of summarize, it's clear that uh, you need to upskill teachers. But the problem is not just to upskill the content, but also to provide clear guidelines on the pedagogy. Also, you know, ministry should be more clear on how much time, effort they want to dedicate to this new subject. Not just that, but tell, you know, where the room is for addressing computational thinking and also provides clear strategies for the assessment, for the, the summative and the, the formative. If people just see computational thinking as the new Latin, you know, this big thing that is going to solve all the problems, it's not going to be. And also, you know, I think we have been a little bit late. There has been a huge revolution in society and uh, we need to acknowledge that all this digital Technology also has a scientific side. It's good that uh, the ministry are taking care of that part, but it's not going to solve all the problems. So it needs to be taken with a grain of salt. And it's, it's a long and uh, difficult transformation, I think. Yes, indeed it is. Being given more concrete now, what would you say of what a school should do in order to better integrate computational thinking in their teaching practice? I would like to highlight again that it's not only the task of teachers and schools, but that it's really a common effort and uh, there are a lot of other actors that should provide support, ministries, other organizations, teacher training organizations. So it's not something that schools should do themselves. And it's very likely that at this moment there will still be schools that do not find themselves in the ideal conditions, that do not have everything they need to implement computer science curriculum as it should ideally be. But for schools themselves, first, one thing we see also more and more is that school leadership is very important. Um, one thing is to make time for the teacher to train themselves to also help with finding relevant training opportunities and also to really foster that culture of 
you can try something, you can innovate, it can go wrong, then we can discuss it. So we need to encourage teachers to go in that way, because if the responsibility is on the teacher alone, basically just, you know, figure it out. I want it to work and uh, good luck, then it's it's a lot more yeah. difficult. And uh, for teachers themselves, I would encourage them to really look who can help me. Is that my colleague who already knows more? Or if in my school, I happen to be the only computer science teacher, to who else can I reach out? Online, There are so many online communities. There are school hubs where different schools connect. Go and find these opportunities and, and try it out. As we already said, formative assessment feedback is very important. Try something concrete. Ask your students. Don't be afraid to ask your students, how did it go? Was that interesting to you? Did you learn anything or wasn't it so useful? How can I improve it in the future? And and take it from there. So also don't expect from yourself that you implement the perfect computer science curriculum immediately. Try to find your way and try to also think how comfortable you can be with teaching something when you know there will be students in the room who know something's better than, than you do. I would also like to point out that, that how important it is to engage in a professional networks and COVID is such a network. Our community of teachers from uh, different types of schools really does a lot of different activities to help teachers integrate computational thinking in their classrooms. Indeed, I think it's it's important to remember what Ariana mentioned about COVID being also a space for reflection and a space for supporting, but also a space to, to see the way that we teach coding and computational thinking, a critical view. But now I want to bring it forward and to, to look forward into these surveys, into these conclusions, right? So in all our podcast episodes, we like to end on a positive note and we'd like to end as well with some food for thought for our listeners. And so if you have to choose just one idea or best practice from the study that should be implemented from now on, what would that be? I think, you know, that there the, the should be good move from top down and bottom up. Top down, I think would be nice. You know, what I found interesting from the French case studies, they added computer science in the final examination. That's, that's a clear indication. We are investing on it. Bottom up, I think the, the best, my mind, is creating a community of practices. In England, I think the community at school, it's, it's a grassroots movement of teachers and uh, is playing a big role. There is room for networking at the bottom level. That's more probably the most interesting ideas that I found. I think it works. For me, the main takeaway is also teaching communities, obviously, and uh, initiatives like the Code Week are very important. But I would, if I could choose something that really goes even further, I would be even more specific. And as Augusto mentioned, UK, England has a very interesting example. So to really create school hubs that link schools, several schools in one region together, and also specific schools that are in more privileged areas and others that are in a more difficult situation and also provide them with funding so that they really have also the time and the space to meet together and then it becomes teachers that are more advanced training other teachers but really also with the support to properly do that and ideally even with universities on board so then it also becomes something that you can research on board but then you start doing research with schools like really asking them having them as partners on board but not research about schools so it's in the end really that idea of powering schools yeah so in a way schools will become lighthouses rather than just part of the, the normal landscape yeah I think I like a lot those those ideas that you both mentioned and, and so now to wrap up a bit the, the episode so we should 
talked about this study and how it compares to the previous one and what new things we've learned. I, I really like what you mentioned that you found in general a lot of similarities and I think that offers a lot of hope in terms of policy, if I can say so, in the sense that, that I think we have already some common strengths in Europe and some things that we can learn from each other. We talk a lot about teacher training and I think that's something that we still need to look at and still need to work on. And we talked a lot about practices at school more particularly and how we teach computational thinking in different subjects and, and how this is still quite quite different across countries. But I see through through your answers that the teachers have also done a great deal to innovate in the way that they teach and in the way that they bring these topics to their students. And so I think that my my main idea after I, I listened to you both, after I, I read the study, I think there's a lot of work to be done as we've discussed for sure. This is quite a noble topic. There's still quite a lot to be done, but I think there's quite quite some some future ahead as quite already being done and, and having been done. So, so those are some of the highlights that I would nitpick, but Ariana, feel free to, to add. As you mentioned, integrating computational thinking is not an easy process. It's rather complex, uh, but it is a topic very relevant for our students because these are the skills they need, not only in the future, but also now when they are at school. And another thing that I would like to highlight is teacher training. I would invite our listeners to check out materials and resources and guidelines that are already out there so that they can use them in their classroom. And also, dear listeners, become part of a network and CodeWeek is such a network and we invite you to join us if you still haven't. And together with us, let's uh, do more on the implementation of computational thinking in the classroom. Katia Augusto, is there anything you would like to add before we close the episode? Well, we want to thank you for this opportunity to have this exchange and for all the questions and patience from your side. <laughs> it was a nice opportunity. Thanks. I would just say one more thing. So I agree with you that, as I said before, it was the only way of bringing something completely new to curricula to do it in the way it was done. So without having all teachers prepared for it, which was in a way a crazy adventure still. And overall, I guess teachers, as we know them, embraced that challenge with a lot of innovation, with a lot of being brave to try out new things. But I also think it's okay if there are teachers now listening who are still not totally excited about computation thinking that's fine and you know who are not have not dreamed about you know one day teaching computational thinking activities and I mean look at the activities look at what other teachers do and just look at what of these things makes sense to them but it is also okay not to be totally enthusiastic about computational thinking and and just go and have a look and see what of these things makes sense for you. Katia and Augusto thank you both for joining us for the EU Code Week podcast. Thank you. You're welcome. We hope you enjoyed this episode and are now more aware of the importance of computational thinking in compulsory education, as well as both of obstacles and best practices to integrate it into the school curricula. And listeners, don't forget to tune in next week for a new episode of the EU Code Week podcast when we'll discuss new insights about coding and technology and how we can integrate them into the classroom. But for now, goodbye. Goodbye.